and welcome back to another special episode of the Media Boat Podcast, wrapping up the end of the year list as we do at the end of every year. Um, today we'll be talking about TV shows and all the wonderful things that television brings us. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us. This is the third episode in a series of five wrap-up episodes for 2022. If you're a veteran listener of our show, you'll know this is usually what we do at the end of the year. So how this is going to work today is we're going to cover television, as Mike mentioned. And the first half of the show is going to be a breakdown month by month of the year that was in television news. What happened? What shows got canceled? What do you need to know about the industry? All that stuff. And then at the end of that, we'll determine one story that was the most important, at least to us, story in television of the year. Then we'll flip to the second half of the show, where we go over our individual top five television shows. And boy, howdy, was this year a tough one. And then after we're done with that, we will choose one show to crown as the Media Boat Podcast favorite television show of 2022. And as we do, um, we'll be giving you our lists. We will be talking about everything. And we better get started because, boy, howdy, do we have a lot to talk about. So let's <laughs> jump into our time machine. And we'll start all the way back at the beginning of the year. Starting with actually the end of something. Of course, I'm talking about NBC Sports officially going dark as the clock struck midnight. Or, yeah, midnight into January 1st. Uh, Pretty much the culmination of what we knew was going to happen going into this year from last year that... They were officially shuttering it down, but also won't be the only thing shuttering down this year from NBC Universal. Yeah, I mean, this made sense for their portfolio. Um, I think that they wanted to get out of special uh, specialized premium uh, cable networks and focus more on streaming through Peacock. And so all the sports deals they did kind of after this are on streaming. And well, I'm sure we'll talk about a couple of them as we go on. Yes, uh, but also part of the beginning of the year was a chance for everyone to sign up for HBO Max because <laughs> there was the Harry Potter 20th reunion special sans J.K. Rowling. Yeah, get used to hearing that because a lot of Harry Potter-related, Wizarding World-related things will probably be uh, missing the author after just, man, after she's just imploded her career in public image over the last few years. Um, it was a recurring story, especially in 2022, all things that people were like trying to remove her name from or trying to remove credit of her from. And this was only the first of the year to do that. Um, HBO Max will also be a recurring subject. And uh, I have a feeling we're going to maybe talk about HBO Max a lot in the next uh, 30 minutes or so. <laughs> yes. But as we do, we talk about movies or music. <laughs> we're in TV. 
And as always, we always start with TV with the sports corner. So we talk about sports every now and then, including the former Washington football team getting a new name this year. Yes, finally, the Washington Commanders are... Which is growing on me. Yeah, it's all right. I don't like their logo, though. Their logo looks like a college logo to me. And every time I see it, I'm like, that's not real. The big W? Yeah. Like, it's still it Washington. Fake. Yeah. I saw a TikTok where someone was asking their partner to name what they thought football teams were based on the logo. And the poor thing, she was like, Wisconsin? <laughs> as soon as she saw that big fat W. Uh, nope. Nope. Uh, but also in NFL news, we had the very sudden and very public walking out of Antonio Brown in the middle of a game at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Where he, like, got taken out of the game, stripped off his shoulder pads, did jumping jacks across the uh, end zone, and walked off in the game. (laughs) You know, there are are classier ways to get walk out, but hey, that, that works. Yep. And then also recurring subject in sports that We'll talk about here and then maybe figure out what not to talk about. And that is Novak Djokovic constantly being denied entry everywhere due to his unvaccination status. Yeah, this was a recurring story. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was part and parcel with a lot of stories in other sports as well. I mean, you had the, the never-ending saga of Kyrie Irving and whatever he believes slash doesn't believe in slash uh, surprisingly believes in. Uh, has been quite an interesting story and Djokovic was the same kind of situation where I was like well if you just keep not doing this we're just not gonna let you play like that's your choice whatever you want to do dude yep um yeah because he was denied immediately out of Australia there's the whole thing where he actually got into Australia and then they wouldn't let him participate wouldn't let him leave the hotel and had to then leave Australia because yeah. this was still during a lot of COVID positive tests, especially during late night. We had that stretch where it seemed like every other week a late night host was being out due to COVID positive tests. Right. And as we roll on, we had the baseball lockout continue. Until it suddenly didn't. Um, yeah, but this definitely was the story about baseball for the first couple of months of the year. The will they or won't they about whether or not the league was going to make a deal that the players actually approved. But yeah, by March, though, a season did start and or by April, I guess, um, it missed opening day as planned. And thus we had a little bit of a truncated season. Um, but that being said, the season did happen. There was baseball, and everyone rejoiced. Yes, and everyone rejoiced when that one guy on, uh, I think, Reddit stopped drawing Mike Trout every day <laughs> during the <laughs> lockout. Yes. <laughs> we were all happier after that. And it... uh, yep. Uh, rolling it back, though. Back to January. We also had uh, King of the Hill creators Greg Daniels and Mike Judge w- uh, announce their new animation studio, Bandera Entertainment. Yeah, uh, we haven't seen a whole lot from this yet. 
it sounds like most of those projects are still in the hopper. I know something that Judge was involved with did end up premiering and already got canceled uh, this calendar year. But I don't know if it was related to his production studio or not. Um, also, later in the year, we kind of saw spinning off of this that there will indeed be a King of the Hill reboot coming. Uh, when and where is the question. Uh, but yeah, all eyes are on uh, see what these guys do and uh, how they help uh, newer creators kind of with their their name and clout. But we could roll this into another big story of the year, and that is just animation studios in general, because we've talked a lot about them over the course of the year. Yeah, but not all for good reasons. There were a few gems like this story of things starting and opportunities being uh, provided. But most of the stories we talked about were uh, animators not getting paid well, uh, like like studios being shut down by major major companies strikes walkouts like and co major companies getting completely removing animated shows off the face of the earth but we'll get to all of that later but yeah it was a weird weird year if you're in the business of animation uh or not we're in the business of television <laughs> and there wasn't anything more exciting on television than Jeopardy. <laughs> yes. As Jeopardy had itself in another historic uh, run with Amy Schneider. 40 game win streak yeah. finally coming to an end. Yeah. Only second, only to Ken Jennings himself. So, yeah. Um, this was kind of a recurring story, it was just how entertaining Jeopardy was. Like you said, um, just an incredible season of all sorts of different champions becoming long-running champions. Because, yeah, uh, Amy Schneider was not the last. Uh, there were two more after her. And, uh, yeah, it just became just the season that kept giving and giving. Plus, this was also the season where they launched the primetime Celebrity Jeopardy, uh, which ran alongside for a few months. Uh, mm -hmm. And, yeah, that still continues and will resume in January. So, um, yeah. Good, good year for January, or for January, for Jeopardy. Um, and I think that we actually are finally seeing uh, Ken Jennings and Maya Bialik like fill in that host role more comfortably than last year. Uh, Ken Jennings Ken. for sure. Yeah, yeah, especially Ken. He's becoming a natural. I, I, I'm at this point where I'm like, yeah, just give give Maya the specials and let Ken just do the show is kind of where I'm at. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just been a great, great season and um, we'll be probably maybe the best season probably ever i would say in the history books unless this next one outdoes it yep uh but we'll see if any of those shows appear on our list hmm. maybe uh but as all good streaks come to an end so do some stuff um in tv including arthur as it began it's 25th and final season ultimately ending this year in a kind of futuristic like roundabout way for those who didn't watch it ended just as it should start with the kids from arthur growing up and then arthur himself ends up penning the arthur books because how else would you end that series right yeah it's it, it's a cute way to end that uh in that show 
Um, and yeah, a kid's institution for, well, since we were kids, for crying out loud. Like, Five years, yep. Yeah, it's ran for a long time. So it was nice to see it um, come to a close like that. It was a sweet, sweet ending. But not everyone gets a sweet ending, including uh, Ben Roethlisberger retiring from the Steelers, Good. Sean Payton retiring from the New Orleans Saints, and then David Ortiz being the only player selected for the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, uh, which meant it also marked the final years of eligibility and thus the elimination from the Hall of Fame for everybody's favorite bunch of baseball uh, baseball um, tarnished career legends, uh, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. Yes, while they failed to make it in their eligibility, I do... Oh, sorry. I do have a feeling that they will be eventually not necessarily voted in, but like honorary made it with once a committee gets put together and has to like sort throughout like what actually counts or how we're gonna devise this because they should be. They're part of baseball history. They made all that money. They made all those TV ratings. It's a part of your history. Don't try and um, sweep it under the rug. Don't try to whitewash it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've said it on this podcast before, is that uh, what they should do is have a separate list, basically be like, okay, there's the people that are in the Hall of Fame, and here's the people who are on the Hall of Importance. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they're they're not the maybe maybe the fairest players in the world, and maybe they did some things with their post career that's not great, but they should be here, and uh, because they're relevant to the history of the game i think yes because it should be about the history of the game and you can't just turn a blind eye yeah to that part of history i mean uh, bond still has a record right Mm -hmm. so yeah it's odd that that doesn't qualify him but i guess because of all those asterisks our best friend will come up with that the record will come up again later in this podcast yes it will but yes baseball's best friend is the asterisk yes (laughs) Uh, and then we had uh the very rare hall of fame or sorry not hall of fame pro bowl game and all-star game for both hockey and football taking place in the same city on the same weekend of las vegas in which i was there for it you were somehow there i was somehow amongst that crowd oh yeah and then tom brady decided to retire right except he didn't yeah he may or may not have actually retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have a question mark there because yes, as much as we would have, were ready to say, "All right, he's gone," he he wasn't. He wasn't, folks. He wasn't. Yes, uh, and then just to wrap up sports for a while, um, the Rams ended up winning the Super Bowl, beating the Bengals, and going cool. all in, saying "fuck them picks," and boy, were you happy. Oh, boy, was I happy. Uh, unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers did win his second straight NFL MVP. Yeah. But Cooper Cup should have won it because he was the Triple Crown winner. Hey, he did okay. win Offensive Player of the Year. It's okay. Aaron won't win it this year. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Can't beat third straight. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and then um, Andrew Whitworth, Big Wit, gained the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, yeah, and then we did have the Olympics technically 
happen for Winter yeah, Olympics? They feel like they barely happened. Uh, they were amidst a major controversy uh, by taking place in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it was kind of like everyone forgot that it happened. Wait, was it Russia? Was Beijing? Oh, sh sorry, China. Wow. Yeah, so it was a, was before. Uh, China. That's how long ago this feels. That like yes. it barely even happened. But yes, you're correct. It was in China. You're right. So yeah, we had the Olympics this year. They came. <laughs> they went. Sure did. Things happened. Uh, I don't think we have anything notable about the Olympics. No, no really big stories, yeah. except for, like I said, the controversy. And then uh, those who were paying attention, the American team just teams just did not really do that hot. Uh, we were yeah. bested by Norway and Germany and, of course, home the home country of China. Yeah, with uh, but they did get 25 medals in total. Yeah. But only accounted for eight of those golds. So yeah, not that much uh, to really, yeah, to really talk about. And that's why I think these games are largely forgotten, even though they happened not that long ago. Yep. Let's bring right back around to TV. I was got some bunch of controversies to go through, including uh, Whoopi Goldberg being suspended by ABC's The View after she made um, some controversial comments about um, the graphic novel Moss or Mouse. Yeah, um, let's 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 say that this was not a great year for uh, statements that are perceived as anti-Semitic, <laughs> <laughs> whether they're they whether they were meant to be uh, or whether they were not meant to be or very much meant to be. <laughs> Who boy, I um, I want to apologize on behalf of the Jewish people uh, for the year of 2022. <laughs> From our mouth to your ears. <laughs> um, also in controversy was the new Futurama reboot, which got ordered for 20 episodes at Hulu, but ordered also without John DiMaggio. Yeah, uh, he eventually did get signed back up after much uh, much talk uh, as to how much he was paid and how much of the rest of the cast were being paid, as this was a pay dispute, according to John DiMaggio. Uh, yeah, and it just goes to show you that these shows have to know the value of their voice actors, because if you're getting Futurama, you have to have John DiMaggio, like, that show's not the same without the real Bender. Um, so yeah, this is actually two kind of recurring 2022 stories in one. You have a reboot of a classic animated show, not the last time that will happen this year, and then also voice acting and being paid. This is almost a crossover with a story we covered in video games this year with Bayonetta 3 and uh, a voice actor that also didn't end up having the best uh, points. But still, a conversation was had this year in multiple industries about, hey, how much should we be paying voice actors, especially like legendary voice actors? And uh, But yeah, nonetheless, this will happen. This reboot is going to happen. It still has yet to premiere. It'll premiere next year. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like to me, I didn't even watch the Comedy Central seasons. Also, I didn't watch like the direct-to-DVD movies that came after the series. To me, the only Futurama that exists is the first four seasons on Fox. And here I am, waving my hands, saying, they were still good. I still liked them. 
I the few that I saw of the Comedy Central years, I was like, eh, it's not as like I remember it. Yeah. Well, it also won't be the only reboot on Hulu that we'll no. be talking about. Uh, but speaking of things that take years to come by, after two years of announcing the merger, Biocom, CBS, and Paramount um, have finally like rebranded themselves to Paramount Global, effective February 16th, earlier this year. It's interesting this, that of you... Of course, would also go hand-in-hand with the official rebranding of CBS All Access to Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, and you say that, but I feel like nothing this year... I have never seen anyone refer to Paramount Global. No, no one refers to Paramount Global. It's just Paramount now. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're just Paramount. So, yeah, I mean, the Biocon CBS, CBS name is smart to drop because... I think that the more the, the the less they want people thinking about Viacom, the better. It's a brand they probably want to bury. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. Also, Paramount Plus, weird year for Paramount Plus. I feel like there was a hot few months there where there was stuff to watch, and then the rest of the year people were just like, "Oh, that's where I watched." Uh, what was it? Yellow Jackets. Yellowstone. <laughs> No, Yellowstone. Sorry. No, there's both. There's Yellowstone and there's Yellow Jackets. I don't remember which one was the Paramount one. I think it's Yellowstone's <laughs> the Paramount, even though you could also watch it on Peacock the first couple seasons. Oh, I don't know. Either way, there's like a show or something. And otherwise, Paramount Plus still seems like the weakest on offer of all the streaming options. Or you watched it because of the South Park specials that they had. Yeah, the COVID pandemic specials before they were eventually on Comedy Central. Or you bought it just for one weekend to watch the first half of the Tony Awards. (laughs) That's what we did. Anyway. Well, one thing you no longer have to, or one thing you no longer have to get half of is soccer pay. Yes. As the U.S. women's national team and U.S. soccer officially offered back pay and made a pledge to equal compensation uh, for its men's and women's teams going forward, including into this year's World Cup. Mm -hmm. And we watched this happen uh, because the U.S. team is no longer competing in the men's World Cup. Uh, They were eliminated, but all the earnings that they got for making it to where they did, yes, are split in half as part of this deal. Yep, and speaking of making deals, um, going back to what I was saying about animation productions, as the production workers for Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites voted to join the Animation Guild. Yes. Yeah, exciting. Um, This kind of set a precedent, uh, hopefully, for other similar uh, production companies for these big animated shows. Um, It was good to see. Uh, it continues to be a good look for the uh, entertainment unit, entertainment industry as it goes for labor organization. It's just happening more and more and more, and it's great when it happens. Yep. And then we roll ourselves right into March, and we had Sony merging its two anime streaming services, <laughs> that of Crunchyroll and Funimation. Yes. Uh... And ultimately... 
Crunchyroll what out? Yeah, ultimately the question when this announcement was made is whether Sony was going to keep both brands around. And it didn't take long. I think only a few months after this, they were just like, eh, actually, no, we're ending Funimation. Uh, everything's going to go into Crunchyroll now, and you have to sign up for a Crunchyroll account. Um, so they just forced everybody, funneled everybody into Crunchyroll. Um, yeah, I have a Crunchyroll now. Fun fun fact. I know, you added it anyway. <laughs> we may talk about it later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... Uh, yeah, controversial, I think, among anime people, as this means that there's kind of only one service that has everything, which means competition is not really a thing, and means that they could, like, I don't know, raise the price randomly if they wanted to at any point. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I guess it simplifies things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also, speaking of Sony, in a deal that we haven't really seen much of yet, um, they acquired Industrial Media, creators of 98 Day Fiance, So You Think You Can Dance, and American Idol, just to name a few. Yeah, I imagine we probably won't see a whole lot of this unless you're paying attention to the cr- credits of the next season of these shows. Yep. And then we had Baseball Start a yes. week later. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Baseball and Apple and Peacock signed streaming deals. And oh, then is... Apple Friday games. Exclusive yes. on Apple. I was going to say, is this when we talk about the Apple commentators? Yes. Um, so if there was, if we did a top five worst television shows, uh, probably near my top would be the Apple broadcast of baseball games. Now, don't get me wrong. They use the best cameras Whatever they did, like they had the best setup, like video, like video quality and sound quality for the games. Like Beautiful 4K quality. Almost. I don't think Almost. it actually was, but it might as well be with like the quality of the the stream. You could tell me the black with... cameras. I would believe you. Yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe. Uh, but yeah, so that combined with actual 5.1, which was not a lot of the other services can offer. But then they ruin all of it by having literally no one you've ever heard of in the booth. And half the time, they were talking about stuff that didn't even have to do with the game. It was obnoxious. And everybody on the internet kind of shared that same uh, same opinion. It seemed like throughout the year, everybody was like saying that. Like, I just now, I saw one guy say something very funny. He was like, yeah, I turn on the Apple TV and then I turn on my radio for the like the local call. And this essentially culminated into probably the biggest non-scene sports moment in the history of baseball. <laughs> yes. Two of them, in fact. Yes. Uh, the first one being Aaron Judge hitting the, or becoming the American League home run record with 70 home runs in a single season, as well as uh, Albert Pujols hitting the 718th home run, I think, <laughs> passing Hank Aaron. Yeah. All Apple TV Plus, which is what they wanted because they were Friday games, but because of that, no one saw it. Yeah. Unless you're watching replays later. 
Yeah, and they did stress that you didn't have to be a Apple TV Plus subscriber to see it. You could just go on to an Apple TV app wherever you had the app. Yeah, and watch the download thing. the app if you didn't you have st- it. Exactly. You would still have to go through the process. And yeah, a lot of people just weren't willing to do it, especially with something that had such bad word of mouth. So we'll see what Apple does next year if they continue to do it in the same way, or fingers crossed, maybe they get to some actual like reputable casters to do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I think it'd be in their best interest to do so. And moving on, we I do have a question here. Okay. So Michael Giacchino, famed composer, now director, ended up directing a Halloween special as we first announced back in March, which that is now thinking about it, a fast turnaround from a March announcement to an October release date. Yeah. In which he would be directing Werewolf by Night. Does Werewolf by Night technically count as a film or a TV show? How long is it? It's under an hour. That's a television show. Okay. My rule is, is it a feature-length presentation? It is a special presentation by Marvel. But that's not what I said. Yes. Length is the key word. Is it a feature-length production? And Does I say it that the 90-minute mark. It is not because it doesn't even hit an hour, so no. That's a television show. All right. Well, then I may have to move some stuff around. <laughs> <laughs> that is a television special, yes. Uh, speaking of things that are special, <laughs> Discover, uh, Discovery and yes. Warner Media oh, finally boy. decided to merge, uh, approving the $43 billion deal. And then they announced what they were going to call themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery. I think where I'm thinking right now, unless I'm proven wrong later, it might be the story of the year. Just everything about it. Everything from when they revealed the logo and everybody laughed their ass off to the implosion that's happening right now with HBO Max over the last year with combined with the fiasco with fiascos with their uh outside of the this podcast or this episode's uh area like stuff that they're doing in the movies as well with like with uh like the movies not even being released that were on the slate it's just like everything that company is doing and just like Seems like it is the least, is the most anti-creative I've ever seen a studio be. And it's all because of our favorite guy, David Zaslav. So yeah, this was only the beginning. I mean, yeah, technically it was the beginning. But yeah, it was, like you said, it crossed over from both TV and movies for HBO. Even video games. HBO Discovery, Warners, everything. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be, I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get to the HBO Max crap down. So yeah. Uh, yeah, because we're still in March here. Oh boy. Yep. Um, where? I don't think anything else really happened in March because it got into March Madness. Yeah, and... sports, yeah sports, sports happened. Sports <laughs> happened. 
Yeah. Um, also, sports entertainment happened with yeah. WrestleMania 38. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see here. And then, oh yeah, game show cancellations. Yeah. Over the summer, including Alec Baldwin hosted the match game, which we will not talk about Alec Baldwin here. That will be in movies. Oh yeah, that whole thing. And then other game shows getting acts like Card Sharks, Celebrity Dating Game, and The Hustler. Yeah, yeah. Cheap, cheap to make stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Then speaking of the uh, March Madness, we have our NCAA champions with South Carolina Gamecocks for the Women's Championship. And Kansas uh, Jayhawks for the men's championship. Yep. Hawks, big years for big year for birds, bird mascots. Yep. Uh, and then we also had streaming deals of Discovery completing its acquisition to the tune of forty three billion dollars, meaning okay. WBD is the new ticker. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Roku announcing a multi-year extension with Amazon for future access to Prime Video and IMB, IMDb TV. <laughs> you mean Freevee? Yeah, <laughs> I think I renamed too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that also got <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, Scotty Scheffler is your Masters champion this year. Of course, yeah. we knew that because he. Started the last day with an eight-stroke lead. Now we'll do it. Um, and then I want to put down for um, story of the year. Okay. The USFL happened this year. Yeah, it did. With all games taking place on the site of a protective state, protective stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. So let's take let's take a moment here. Now that the, the dust has settled and you have one whole entire season of the USFL under your belt, one, did you like it? And two, do you think they will do it ever again? Uh, the answer to two, yes, they will do it again. <laughs> the answer to one, not as much in the beginning of the season, mm -hmm. especially because they were they only had about six weeks to practice with each other and not really like form like a huge bond. So like by the time the end of the season happened, you had some like easily like, Oh, these, this team's clearly the standout. I think one team eventually went like 10 and one and almost ran the table. Um, but overall, a lot of the plays were mediocre. A lot of the passes were either underthrown, overthrown or hit the hands and dropped. Uh, running games couldn't get going. There's a lot of low-scoring games. Yeah. Um, you're just never going to get... I like to speak of. Yeah, you're just never going to get NFL-level play outside the NFL. We've been proven... We've proven this multiple times between this and the XFL before it. Like, it's just... It's not going to be the same experience. You have to go to the source if you want the thing that you that you want.
It, I mean, it is what it is, especially if it's going to be competing next year with the XFL, which also recently got its uh, like coaches and stadiums announced about like two months ago. Yeah, the Rocks XFL. Yes. With more extreme athletes than the USFL. (laughs) Yeah, the X is right there in the name. That's how you know. Yeah, it did. (laughs) All right. But let's continue on into April. And there we have IMDb TV officially being rebranded as Amazon Freebie. Yeah, I've checked Freebie out at this point, and um, it seems... Like they're equivalent to you know your your Fubos your Plutos that kind of vibe, it's fine. It's ad free TV where <laughs> the ads come it's, with free TV. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not <laughs> ad free. It definitely has ads. That's why it's free. That's also, ads comma free. Yes. Also, you can see the punctuation marks. <laughs> yes. Also, you can access everything freebie on the Amazon Prime app as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had the first of the major cuts from Warner Brothers Discovery, although we all saw this coming, as CNN Plus was only around for 30 days. <laughs> oh, yes, the cut. This is how the cut started. And what a brutal cut. Uh, you know, before the Zaslav. Uh, axe. Yeah, Axe came down like. Everybody figures like, okay, that's kind of weird. Maybe there's an audience for a streaming news thing, but we'll find out. And there's a bunch of celebrities who made deals to do shows. And all of a sudden it's like, nope, we're just not going to continue with it. It's just gone. It's just gone. And then everybody was like, uh, I know we didn't want this, but this does seem kind of soon. It was weird. And it, I'm sure it's just like, as soon as that moment, we should have known the writing was on the wall for literally everything else under the Warner umbrella. Like nothing was sac- nothing is sacred to Zaslav, and this is where where the, the act started. Uh, I guess uh, sharpening up. Because then it just kept going as TNT and TBS scrapped all of its scripted shows that were yes. currently airing until they didn't until they were forced to do it again because of some other uh, some law I guess was that was dug up about their contract with certain with i think believe i believe local atlanta programming or something they made some sort of deal when they formed tbs that there had to be a certain number of scripted shows in its library so they did end up having to go back on this a bit however as the story mentions a lot of stuff that existed prior got canceled yep including miracle workers american dad last og Animal Kingdom, all were not renewed. Yeah. And then there's a special case of Chad. (laughs) Yes, Chad. Chad ended up being saved, right? It's coming back somewhere else. Yes. The Nassim Pedra-led comedy show Chad, which had its second season, all filmed, all ready to go, had was running promotions, like, all leading up to it. And then a half hour before it was supposed to premiere, it got pulled unceremoniously, just ripped from the scheduling. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. But hey, it's back somehow. Uh, yeah, I think it got picked up on Roku. Something like that. We just did that story, so it's probably at the bottom of this list somewhere. Oh, it's yeah, it's somewhere over there. <laughs> we'll get to it. Anyways. Yep. And then, uh, oh, congratulations to both um, Trayvon Walker of the being the number one pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. As well as Brock Purdy for being Mr. Irrelevant. Yes, your favorite. Well, the only reason I know he's Mr. Irrelevant now, one, besides writing it down, <laughs> uh, right there, yeah, <laughs> Brock Purdy out of Iowa State to the 49ers, was because he recently beat Tom Brady in a football game. <laughs> Well, these days, it doesn't seem like that. that's that hard to do. Well, maybe not these days, but, you know, <laughs> when it's your first NFL start, yeah, yeah, as Mr. Irrelevant, you are no longer Mr. Irrelevant, although I hope he keeps on calling himself Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. And then uh, we also had... The first in a long series of Netflix subscriber losses being accounted for with to north of 200,000 predicted losses in Q2, in addition to the to, to the million that they lost in Q1. Yeah. Story of Netflix this year was a story of a downward trend. All year, uh, kind of the narrative was is that, oh, less people are watching Netflix. There's more competition than ever. Um, Netflix shows aren't as popular as they used to be unless they have stranger and things in the title of them uh, <laughs> it just definitely seemed like that that the overall vibe of netflix was a negative one over this calendar year not to say they didn't make some strange moves though uh they expanded their portfolio into video games this year by offering mobile game downloads mm -hmm. some surprisingly good games are available on the netflix service now on your phone and additionally they are figure, finally cracking down on the thing that they hate the most, password sharing, by trying to force users to, uh, base, or guilt them, I guess, into paying Netflix more money for every account that they share. Uh, so, yeah, uh, weird year for Netflix, especially in a year where, yeah, they just had more competition than ever. They just are looking less and less like the leader in fact, we just had a story a couple weeks ago where they're not anymore that Amazon is now the number one streaming service in the U.S. Especially with um, Thursday Night Football yeah, and uh, The Rings of Power, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I think right now Netflix is having a bit of an identity crisis because they bank so much on expensive original content that they can't really like offer the same deep library that they used to. And that's where services like Disney plus kind of get them because Disney plus has that and their library doesn't go away. And, and it's ironic so, because a lot of the stuff that people are watching on Netflix are not that expensive to make. It's a lot of the cheap reality show stuff. Right. And I think they're going to lean more into that direction of the business and probably lean away 
from what they previously relied on, which was the big original scripted high budget shows. Yep, these aren't your House of Cards. These aren't your Orange is the New Black. These aren't yeah. your um, award winning shows anymore. Yeah, we'll see what they do. Uh, but Netflix has got to figure some strategy out quick because they're definitely being outfoxed by Disney. And so we move on as we await whoever wins the streaming wars there <laughs> with um, TV crossover with a little bit of politics as the Writers Guild was calling on Hollywood to not shoot in states that had abortion bans. Yes. Uh, so this was in tandem with the leak of the Supreme Court opinion, uh, where they ended up overturning Roe versus Wade, uh, which then made it a state-by-state -state decision uh, for the legality of abortion in the United States. And yeah, uh, the WGA uh, was very quick to say, like, all right, well, cool. Just like, hey, members, hey, how about like not doing uh, work in those states that ban uh, abortions? Like, hey, we don't need to give them the publicity. We don't give, need to give them the tax dollars. I think it's a good move. And it definitely wasn't the end of this conversation. Uh, but throughout the year, you saw the ripples of this decision go through uh, all sorts of uh, channels of, in, of entertain entertainment. Yeah, and while we won't get into politics here, right? you will hear us talk about it during our year-end wrap-up. Maybe a little bit. Um, not a whole lot, but yeah. Um, well, well it's when a... we talk about all the stuff we don't normally talk about. Right, but we're not a politics podcast. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we'll we'll do we'll we'll mention it, I'm sure. But yeah, when it does cross like it does here, like yeah, it's an interesting uh interesting subject. And yeah, good on the WGA for like putting their foot in the ground on this one. Uh let's see here. We also had the eighty to one long a long shot. Rich Strike winning the Kentucky yeah. Derby. Yeah. And the also 80 to 1 long shot odds of Reed Detmers <laughs> throwing a solo no hitter for the Los Angeles Angels, the first of the season. First of the season, also by a rookie, which was incredible. Uh Reed, what a what a great, great start for Reed. Um the rest of the season was a little bit more hit or hit or miss for him. Uh, uh, more hits good. than misses. Ha ha ha. But it was good. Uh, it was good to see. It was, hey, hey, remember that brief shining moment when the Angels were good? Remember that <laughs> brief moment when they were uh, like 20 and 10? Yeah, that was awesome. It didn't last and long. And then April <laughs> happened? Or... Yeah. It didn't last long. Well, no, I think they were good in April. I think when you start getting to June, I think when things, yeah. the wheels kind of fall, out, fall off the cart there. Uh, but hey, it was a competitive, it's always a competitive uh, division. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we also had the exodus of SNL from Pete Davidson, A.D. Bryant, Kate McKinnon, and Kyle Mooney. Yeah, it didn't end there. Uh, more people left by the end of the uh, end of the year, into the new season. Yeah. And yeah, the new season we have right now is the full is the first uh, major turnover of talent since like the '95 purge that they did. Um, it's been a while since we've seen this much fresh blood on the show. 
And from what I can tell by watching a couple of episodes this season, it didn't really provide much of the energy of the show. It still feels a little stuck. Um, and they have yet to really figure out what they want to do, even with a change in clientele. But hey, maybe they'll figure it out next year. But Keenan Thompson's still there. But Keenan's still there, and that's impressive. I saw one uh, mini story that you uh, scrolled by earlier that says that he's hit his 15th, 1500th sketch on the show, which is wild. Yeah. It just goes to show you how much he does on that thing, uh, which is good because, yeah, you want your veterans to lead the way. And at this point, he is the veteran on this show. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. In addition to the Netflix um, losing subscribers, they also had to fire 150 staff members to yeah. help rein in the cost. And then, oh, yes. One of the greatest stories we've had oh, on this show. The, the funniest story of the year, I think, by far. Yes, and it comes from none other than the comedian himself, Seth Green. Who, <laughs> but not about being, him, though. No, it's not uh, about him. But that's he's not the funny part. An animated uh, series based on one of those uh, board ape NFTs. <laughs> However, said NFT was stolen from him. <laughs> Therefore, he could not use it because he would be a uh, violent. Uh, violating the IP of not owning the rights to it. Yep. If anybody needs an example of how stupid NFTs are, this is the perfect example. Like, it, it's just, it works on so many levels. Is like, first of all, it's a stupid idea in the first place to base a show off of a fake thing that doesn't exist. Two, it's really stupid that these fake things that don't exist can be stolen for actual money, and then you just can't make it the project anymore if this happens. Oh, don't so, worry. He eventually paid the fine for it. <laughs> yes, but that doesn't make it. That doesn't make it like anything anyone. Well, yeah, the third thing is no one will care. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned to you the, this to you, but did you know that there is a a board ape branded burger place in Long Beach? Yes, there is. We pass it all the time, and it... there's never a single person there. Well, that's because if you have Bitcoin to get in. <laughs> Does it really? Yeah, it runs off uh, cryptocurrency. So the 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 uh, the cost of it, much like your stomach after you eat it, is very volatile. <laughs> Just like how do they sustain that business with no one going there? It's a ghost kitchen. It's a ghost kitchen. I pay. I don't know. It's just the stupidest idea I've seen in a long time. It's also it, just a smashed burger where just everything's all squished yeah. down and all, all the flavors get run out of it, so it's just terrible. Also, one time we passed it and somebody had uh, graffiti tagged it, and we were so happy. <laughs> we were like, oh, hell yeah, somebody tagged at the Bored Apes Bored Ape Burger Place. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. And at least other good news is that production workers for uh, the Simpsons, Family Guy, and American Dad have also joined the uh, Animation Guild. Yeah, good for in them. In a collective bargaining agreement for 20th Television Animation. It was good to see this, considering that the writers of these shows have been Guild members since the 2000s. 
uh, thanks to early efforts in around and around yeah 2000 2001 of the Simpsons uh, writing writing uh, writing writers room. So yeah, uh, it's a pretty much fully union show now, which is exciting. Except of course for overseas animation work. Speaking of things that are overseas, <laughs> yes, the weird. Eh, should yeah. I call this? I'll put this up as a potential story of the year because it does cross over into some stuff of Live Golf. Yeah. And Saudi Arabia buying players to play in their tournament. And I like how you phrase that buying players because that's definitely what this is. Um, it created a bit of a schism uh, in the golf community about players that were absolutely like, now I'll take the paycheck and on board. And players who were like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to do business with Saudi Arabia, especially considering human rights violations, considering, you know, assassinations of journalists, like what have you. There's a grab bag of reasons. And so, yeah, um, I definitely, I don't know if it's story of the year, but I, uh, a com competi competitor, but I will say it's definitely the weirdest sports story we had all year was this whole thing about live golf. Well, it was like uh, a lot of the exodus was spearheaded by Phil Mickelson, who was getting north over $500 million a, not a year, right? Yeah. It's be a year. Like 500, over $500 million to play in the tournaments, which um, is still shy of what they initially offered Tiger Woods to play. Yeah, well, I mean, where this does kind of intersect with the larger story, I think, this year is the story of why do our athletes kind of like depending on like where they're at, but some of our athletes in the U.S. do have to go overseas to make more money. This came up with the case of Brittany Griner. It was the reason why Brittany Griner was in Russia in the first place when she got arrested for weed possession. Uh, that was a huge story this year. Um, the reason was is because she was making more money playing in basketball in Russia than she could make in the WNBA here, which is ridiculous. Why are, why is that still the case? But then, yeah, and then that ended up being resolved just recently uh, with a prisoner swap, and she's back here in the U.S. But, uh, oh boy, like, we gotta give our athletes reasons to stay and play at their in their home. Like, it doesn't make any sense to, to keep seeing these kind of moves, to be like, dangling $5 million to play for a country with a bad, with a bad human rights record. I mean, not only that, but we also had the uh, uh, World Cup actually take place. Yeah, in uh, Qatar, right? And you know, journalists even there ended up dying too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get there, but yeah, it definitely a recurring theme in sports. Was like, do we have to play it here? <laughs> Can we play it anywhere else? Please. I mean, you know, when you start with China and then it just yeah. continues. Yeah, it's just disappointing. Yeah. Um, here's where we say uh, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for winning yet another NBA championship, this time yep. against the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, but we did get news that the Avatar, the last airbender, would be coming back in three standalone stories. 
Yeah. Taking place between Avatar Last Bender and The Legend of Korra. Yeah, uh, this is a fan favorite series. I'm sure that they're aching for more animated shows uh, under this umbrella. I think that we're far enough away from the awful live action movie that it's time. It's time to get more content in that world. Well, Netflix sure hopes so, because this is in conjunction and separate from the live action that's hope going on at Netflix. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see here. And then... Um, you had one thing that you passed that I wanted to bring up. Uh, we saw finally, after much uh, controversy regarding his personal dealings, uh, Vince McMahon stepped down at the WWE after oh, yeah. running it for forever. Uh, he finally left the company, and it actually, um, according to a lot of people, has revitalized the energy of the brand. Um, and it seems like they're in a creative headspace much better than they were under Vince's control. Yes, but don't I don't expect her to stay away from too long because there is some uh, underground rumblings and some trades and rumors going around that he may make an appearance at the upcoming WrestleMania in Los Angeles. Where I hope immediately immediately someone um, knocks him out. (laughs) (laughs) Just pile drives him into the ground. I would love to see that. Just how many times do we have to teach you, old man? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, what did we tell you about coming here? (laughs) Let's see here. So I have highlighted here the Ohio State story. Yes. If you remember what this was. Yes, they uh, wanted to or were successful in trademarking the V uh, for their merchandise sales. So that way could they could sell the Ohio State shirts and other kinds of merch. <laughs> yeah, so they trademarked the or the the yes. for the so they could have shirts that just say the or the. <laughs> You know what they're talking about. That's just the uh, the Ohio State. The Ohio State. It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, We also had the Daytime Emmy winners. Um, Congratulations, General Hospital. Yep. Uh, uh, Continual Emmy uh, Emmy winner uh, Kelly Clarkson as she appears to be taking the Ellen mantle of having probably the most important show right now on daytime TV. Uh, yeah, a repeat winner. And then also Jeopardy! continued its, its streak as yeah, a yeah. best game show winner. Because, of course. Because it is. Yes. Let's see here. And then we have congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche for winning the Stanley Cup. And the Birmingham Stallions for winning the USFL. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, oh, yep. There's the Sim- yep. there's a story about the Simpsons. There's that union getting its job done. Uh, Pablo Banchero being selected number one overall in the NBA draft, as well as UCLA and USC committing to join the Big Ten Conference in 2025. Although we'll see if that still goes through, because uh, while USC is a private school, UCLA is a public school, uh, accepting state funds, so that still is needs to be reviewed, right? And may get overturned, especially since um, uh, the expansion of the uh, college football playoffs. Yep. Which we will talk about 
later. Yes. Oh, real quick, uh, also in July, um, the big fight between the Angels and the Mariners, which actually probably when you look back at it, had a huge impact on both of those teams' seasons. Yeah, where the Angels just kept going down, the Mariners just kept going up. Yeah, I think that, that the the energy from that moment uh, lit a little bit of a fire under the Mariners, uh, but which ended up in a playoff run for them, which was the first time in a very long time since they had been there. Uh, they didn't end up, of course, making it to the big World Series, but the fact that they were there at all was more than enough for a lot of Mariners fans. And yeah, it kind of, you can pinpoint this moment as what starts that momentum. And yeah, obviously you could say the opposite about the Angels, which immediately turned their okay-looking season up to that point to a 14-game losing streak uh, that then just set up the rest of their season to be diminishing returns. Speaking of losing streaks, NBC Universal also decided to shut down the Olympic Channel. Oh, yeah. Um, again, I believe this was mo a move that's also aimed towards... Um, bringing in sports content to streaming on Peacock for uh, for um, Universal. Yeah. And then we get into July where Joey Chestnut put a protester in a chokehold while winning the hot dog eating contest. <laughs> um, and then we also have the Duffer Brothers, creators of uh, Stranger Things, Stranger Things, getting a new deal uh, with Netflix with their newly formed production company, Upside Down Pictures. Yep. So we have yet to see a lot of the fruits of this, but I'm sure that will happen next year. Yep. As well as COVID protocols. Um, we had a rise there in the summer, and protocols were extended until September 30th. Yeah. Um, Omicron was the word on everybody's uh, tongues last summer. Uh, we did end up in the fall uh, getting a special booster. Uh, that was designed for those Omicron uh, variants. But uh, yeah, for a hot second there, everybody was like, wait, you're, you're going to have to bring these protocol back. And they were brought back. Yep. Uh, we also had uh, Giancarlo Stanton being voted the MVP. Of the All-Star game. Um, of the All-Star game, yep. And then OAN, the One America News. Yeah. Or One America Network being dropped by Verizon and yeah. officially off TV. <laughs> yeah, basically that was the last straw. They got shamed to non-existence, like basically. <laughs> and good riddance. And no one heard from them since. <laughs> uh, nothing there, nothing there. Yeah. Um, then we get to August. And Brittany, that's when Brittany Griner was sentenced to nine years in Russian prison. Yes. Um, and then we have HBO Max. And also adding to it being one of the biggest stories of the year yes decided so, to remove nearly the complete batgirl film and scoob holiday hunt from its release calendar um which ended up 
we're building a bunch of other projects as well off HBO Max, including The Witches, An American Pickle, and Moonshot. Yep, and this was only the beginning, as we mentioned. Uh, hot second after this, they also uh, eliminated a lot of animated shows from their catalog. Again, stating that it was for a tax write-off reason. And to this day, literally today, in the last two days, we've seen even more cuts, including now even crossing the HBO Max line into HBO proper content. I don't know if you saw the stuff about Westworld even getting the chopping block, getting the, the, the axe on HBO Max. Yeah, well, we knew it, it got cut or it didn't get it renewed. But now it's gone. But now it's gone. <laughs> like, it's just like I said earlier, it's like the most anti-creative move that they could possibly make. It's like, why would why would any creative make a deal with Warner after seeing all this happen? Did honestly... nobody learn from Christopher Nolan when he left Warner Brothers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. when Christopher Nolan leaves you, when, uh, when Legendary Pictures will try anything with any other studio to get out of your embrace... <laughs> Like, everybody is getting out. Why do you think? Because of moves like this. Uh, yeah, let's see here. We also had... John Batiste leaving The Late Night Show with Stephen... Or, sorry, leaving The Late Show with Stephen Colbert after seven seasons. Yeah, after, uh, well, presaging his big Grammy night. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that in Grammys. Yes. Uh, as well, and then we also had Disney Plus announcing that it would be offering an ad tier. Yep, that, uh, that did end up dropping, I believe. Yes, that is currently out. You can watch Disney Plus shows with ad support at a reduced rate of $5 a month. Uh, we had a big signing for the Big Ten, making a deal with Fox, CBS, NBC, and Peacock for a billion dollars annually over yes. seven years for yeah. Big Ten football rights. Yep. And there it is. There's the story I'm looking for. Yeah, that's the what I was just referring 36 to. 36 shows Oof. in a week removed from the HBO Max platform. Including some media ba- media boat favorites like Infinity Train and OKKO. OK yep, as well as the Not Too Late Show with Elmo, which was a HBO Max exclusive. Yeah. Um, brutal. Just brutal. As well as ended, they ended up laying off 14% of HBO Max staff. Yeah. Uh, full list include or others that were unceremoniously canceled include Generation Hustle, um, Your Mom, My Dad, Mighty Magiswords. Yeah, a lot. Uh, let's see here, Uncle Grandpa, a lot of animation, Yabba yeah. Dabba Dinosaurs. Um, yeah, and, as mentioned, yeah. uh, Infinity Chain and Close Enough. Me, yeah, favorite 
close enough. Uh, at one point, our <laughs> show of the year. Yeah, go, just, just goes to show you how deep and wide these removals were. And they didn't stop here, which is the sad, sad thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Anyways. Um, we also had NBC shrink, uh, considering shrinking that it's in prime time footprint, cutting out the 10 o'clock hour. Yeah. I haven't seen anything official on that yet. Not yet. I would imagine maybe there's a conversation about that next year after the holiday break. Yeah. And then a story we were tracking since the beginning of the year. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so back in January, because we don't deal in rumors, there was some rumblings going around of Viacom CBS and Warner Media exploring the sale of the CW. Uh, potential suitors including uh, Next Star, uh, which was a giant uh, cable company. And then we didn't really hear anything about it. And we saw all the stuff happening with HBO Max being cut and uh, Warner Media becoming Warner Brothers Discovery until August. The last week in August, it became official that Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global's CBS Studios would be selling their 75% stake to a broadcast giant Nexstar. Yeah. I mean, more or less, we saw the writing on the wall for this, regardless of whether it was a rumor or not. They were sure canceling a hell of a lot of CW shows, and it makes sense why. They were trying to make it a slimmer package for a purchase to happen. And indeed, that was the case. Uh, it was unclear what exactly Nexstar has plans to do with the CW moving forward, uh, next year will be kind of the big coming out party, I guess, of the new said CW under their leadership. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, but that was a recurring thing during cancellations was there goes yeah. this show from the Arrowverse. This there goes this show yeah. from Berlanti Media. <laughs> it seems like they were just adamant about like, let's dis- disassemble the legacy programs on this network. Let's just get rid of everything that used to be our identity and try to form a new one. Uh, speaking of forming a new identity, we had Serena Williams announcing the end of her career. Yes. Um, that the U.S. Open would be her last major tournament. And so we do not expect her to return to the court, but she was getting quite the send-off yeah, during that yeah. time in September. Absolutely. And what a career. Uh, and then we also had the Creative Arts Emmys, in which Chippendale Rescue Rangers won for Outstanding TV Movie, much to your chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see here. Yeah, these are all Creative Emmys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Chadwick yeah. Boseman won posthumously for Character Voiceover. For what if Nathan Lane finally got his Emmy for guest appearance in Only Murders in the Building? Yep. And former U.S. President Barack Obama won an Emmy for narrating. Yep. Oh, and then our TV show of the year last year, Beatles Get Back, won for best docu series. You bet it did. 
And then we get to the actual Emmy Award winners, or not the actual, but the primetime yes. Emmy Awards, where Ted Lasso ended up winning Best Comedy Series. Um, also, lead actor Jason Sudeikis and supporting actor Brett Goldstein. Whereas White Lotus basically swept everything for a limited series, including supporting actress for Jennifer Coolidge, lead actor for Murray Bartlett, uh, and uh, best limited series, mm-hmm. and then Succession's just always there <laughs> with the drama series wins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, overall a weird Emmys this year uh, with Keenan Thompson as the host and trying to keep it together. Uh, yeah, just kind of a weird vibe, uh, but yeah, definitely a variety of winners. I mean, especially when you have Lizzo's. Watch out for the big girls winning competition for Amazon yeah. Prime Video and Abbott Elementary coming out of nowhere, yes. uh, winning several awards, including Quinta Brunson uh, for writing the pilot and comedy supporting actress for Cheryl Relau. Hey, when you're the best show, when you're the best show on network television, you're going to get noticed by the Emmys. We'll talk uh, about a little bit more about Abbott Elementary later. <laughs> I mean, you didn't. You weren't talking about this is us. So I don't know what show you're talking about. <laughs> hey, that show's no longer on the air. <laughs> ah, but it still will qualify for Emmys next year. Next year, yes. Anyways, anyways, uh, yeah. So continuing the uh the SNL Exodus, we had Melissa Villasenor, uh, Alex Moffat, and Aristotle and Athari. And this year, no uh, controversies on any of the new cast members. <laughs> yet. Yet. Uh, let's see here. We also had, there's the Aaron Judge hitting 60 home runs and Albert Pujols, uh, both on home run watch yep. as they crept towards the end of the season. And the announcement of the Golden Globes returning next year. January 10th. Yeah, just, just a couple weeks away. Yes, we just got nominations for those uh, yesterday, so that ball is rolling. We probably will not be watching those. Nope, but we'll report on the big winners because they all more than likely eh, they might well, not even factor into the no, Oscar watch. I bet they don't. I feel when you're nominating Top Gun Maverick like this is you're playing in a different you're playing in a different zone than award season. They're playing in the danger zone. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh let's see here. Then we get into um Trevor Noah announcing that he would depart from the Daily Show after seven years. And that yes. just happened. He has departed. You watched his final episode. Yep. Um, Barry, co-creator and executive producer, Alec Berg, signs a new deal with ABC Signature. Mm-hmm. Um, and another Animation Guild group unionizing the workers for Bob's Burgers and Central Park. Yes. For Bento Box Entertainment. Yes, Bento Box. Yep. Uh, 
let's see here. I think that's all the big. Oh, and then of course, other NBC Universal sh- um, channel being canceled. G4 TV yet again shutting down. <laughs> which, yeah, which was inevitable, really. Like I feel like even when they were launching that, the question was is like, who is the audience for this? Is it people who? care about video game content that uh because they're just watching uh twitch streamers and or is it for people who don't care about video game content and they're just watching youtube like <laughs> like there's no mark there's no market for a channel that's this dedicated anymore mm-hmm. let's see here uh we also had the rooster teeth harassment um because i think they're under warner brothers discovery and then, oh yeah, Tom Brady decided to come back, and then Giselle decided to leave <laughs> as they were filing for a divorce earlier yeah, strong, this year. Strong divorced guy energy coming from Tom Brady this season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we had a big Doctor Who news that the upcoming season of Doctor Who would be streaming on Disney Plus. Yeah, what a deal! Being away that. from the BBC networks in addition to the new Doctor being announced. Yeah, it was a good deal. It was a good deal for Disney to make, locking that down and getting that back catalog, too. Um, Very lucrative for Doctor Who fans. Which I don't think we will see until next year. Yeah, a year, basically a year from now. Yeah. Um, But they're the only ones making deals, as the Hallmark Channel made a deal with Peacock. Helped strengthening its streaming uh, video library. Joey Logano won the NASCAR championship. Houston Astros won the World Series. Uh, Aaron Judge won the American (laughs) League MVP. uh, Justin Verlander won the Cy Young. uh, (laughs) Paul Goldsmith won the NL MVP. Do that voice for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> 72 Dolphins continue to celebrate being the only unbeaten team. <laughs> uh, and then Amazon, off the heels of the um, uh, Lord of the Rings show, mm-hmm. announced a deal with Sony yeah. to produce several shows for their Spider-Verse under the Spider-Man. Um, web of characters. Yeah. We'll see what comes out of that, but they already have a couple of um, projects in the works for this. Uh, And a deal, or rather a lawsuit that we won't see until next year, um, is that of YouTube TV subscribers suing Disney for antitrust. Yes. Um, Um, Bundling over, with ESPN. Yes, over ESPN's inclusion uh, into streaming packages. Uh, yeah, this is a class action suit, so we'll see. This might just get settled behind the behind the scenes. So, hey, who knows what will happen, but we'll find, find out next year. Yep. Uh, we also have the announcement that all 23 Oscar categories would yep. be televised during the upcoming Oscars, yep. and that Amazon would be producing the upcoming Dark Tower series 
pouring more money into Amazon Prime Video. Yep. yep. That sure. brings us to today. It sure does. Uh, what a weird, weird year. So we saw a lot of labor, uh, labor uh, uh, movements happening with a lot of unions being formed. We saw countless shows get axed uh, by Warner. We saw consolidation uh, and we saw predictable sports. I think all over the sports, you see pretty predictable victories from the big winner, from your big winners. Um, yeah, just kind of an all over the place year. Um, what do we think we're looking at for stories? Because I think really we're only looking at one. We're only looking at one, and it's titled Zazlab's Axe. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Chop, I mean, chop, chop. I mean, it's fair to say, I think you're right to at least mention the live golf stuff, uh, as it was an interesting kind of wrinkle in uh, sports. Also, you had the parallel story with uh, consolidation and teams signing to... Um, uh, signing in new directions with uh, college football too. We didn't really talk about it a whole lot, but we you had the um, like USC and UCLA trying to swap uh, to the the big Ten. the Big Ten slash Big Twelve, whatever they're going to be. Right. So yeah, you had a lot of consolidation, weird stories in sports, and of course that's where the Brittany Griner story comes kind of into play. But. As it stands from the kind of stuff we cover and the kind of stuff that like that that that's kind of meat and potatoes entertainment news, nothing was as wild as this Warner stuff. Like everything to do with this merger was wild. The merger itself was wild that anybody let it happen. Number two, Zaslav's ruthlessness is unprecedented. And yeah, and three, it really brings into question what's gonna happen for the future of this company. Like how, what are they trying to what is Zaslav's goal here is he just trying to con- turn them into a reality television and harry potter machine because that seems like that's all he cares about we didn't mention it but also with this that disney or sorry disney, discovery plus was going to be rolled into hbo max yes. and that next year they will both be rebranded under a completely new name Presumably Max, that's the current name that's going around. Mm-hmm. But what's going to be on there? Yeah. Like, there's not a whole lot left. Like, up until literally this week, the understanding was, oh, the cuts are being made with just HBO Max original content. But that's not even true anymore. So, like, right. what's the quest? What but does this become when he gets his hands on HBO proper? If he says, like, oh, well... And the, the what is the movie studio doing? Like all these things, all these different parts of their business are all getting the same treatment, and it's just like I said, unprecedented. Of just getting, I don't, I, at least not in my lifetime, has one company like had a sh- corporate shakeup like this that has immediately changed so much of how the company operates. At, and like, while so Disney has had its Disney Vault where it locks stuff up and releases it every five years. Mm-hmm. This stuff is going away on all platforms. You cannot buy physical media of it. Yeah. They are it is just gone for a yeah. tax write-off. In, yeah, and it's all for money. It's all for money, which is the most depressing thing. And so again, if you're a creative, you're looking at this and being like, absolutely not. Like I will work anywhere else because this is like 
the worst case scenario for if you've created something like it, it just harkens back to what we continue to preach which is physical media and you don't own anything while streaming yeah yeah it's just and when you have a company that's this ruthless about what they get rid of like that's going to be yeah the odds are that you're not going to have access to that digital content becomes higher and higher every day it's scary and i don't blame anybody for getting out of that company as fast as possible uh because i wouldn't want to do business with them so we'll see uh we'll see what happens in 2023 but yeah as of right now i think the story of 2022 is yeah zaslov's discovery uh, or warner brothers discovery is just what are they doing you can call it zaslov's axe i'll call it <laughs> zaslov's axe yeah yeah just coming down anyway well there you go unanimous <laughs> wasn't even well it had to be unanimous because we are over our hour mark and running into precious time of our <laughs> top shows it's true that was the it's stuff true. we actually want to talk about yeah so let's flip over the tape here and let's talk about our top five favorite shows of the year whose turn is it to go first uh well seeing as i do not have a list currently ready and <laughs> as i went first last time so it is mine I think it was my turn. Well, yes, I want to say that just judging by your statement just now, I'm not alone in saying this. This was the hardest decision-making process I've ever done in the television section of doing wrap-ups for the show, but also I think in any category ever since we started this podcast. I'm not kidding. So this... with that in mind, yeah, you. I know you have 10 on your list. I have 16. Okay, I have 12. <laughs> how how like ruthless are we gonna be here i think we this have is to our do... this is our list we can do whatever we want yes but tradition says we have to pick a top five but what we can do what i what we can do though is if you'd like to when we talk about the honorable mentions you can list them in a ranked fashion oh i will definitely do that yeah that might be what i do as well because yeah it's just I think it just stands as a testament for how strong of a year this was for television. Streaming, even network TV, had some gems. Like, everything. Cable. Like, everybody had some great original content. And I think it makes sense because of the timeline. Consider the last two years was a lot of stuff that was left either leftovers from before the pandemic or shows that had to make creative changes because of the pandemic. 2022 however this season we saw a lot of shows that finally were back up to speed so more original shows more uh like like new seasons of shows that kind of got back to the groove of private previous seasons and yeah overall just the level of quality jumped like sword and so yeah i was watching more tv than ever because of it this year and that's why it was so hard to narrow down my list uh but I did have, I did do, do have five shows on uh, a top five of sorts. And yeah, it was a very, very hard decision to make, uh, narrowing it down to just five. But I think I have five. Number five. So I'm going to start with number five here. Um, and here is a place where, where a show that I thought was going to make my top five just narrowly didn't make it and got replaced by this. And I mentioned it just a moment ago. In my opinion, the best show currently on network TV, and that is Abbott Elementary. 
I don't even know if this made my top five last year, even though it had a strong, strong first season. But that's because that's just how much better season two is, even. It started strong, but now, like, we're getting into territory where this writer's room is hitting such a groove with these characters that this is some of the best jokes on TV this year, period. There are some laugh-out-loud moments, and this season isn't even over yet. We're actually, right now, they just had their holiday episode, so they're on break. I can't imagine how they wrap it up. Like, it's been that top tier. I think ABC has a gem here, and I don't, like, they, they have to take advantage of having this amount of talent in one room, whether it's writers or actors. I mean, the performances are definitely part of this as well. It's like such a well-acted show with really funny jokes and a really, like, and a really good heart to it. Like, it's a show that is 100% about the Links that teachers go to teach kids, especially in areas that are maybe harder to fund, harder to get funding for your schools. And I think all of that in a blender is like, it just makes this Abbott Elementary such a unique thing. It's not a show that on paper I thought that I was going to get into, but in practice, it's just so, so funny. It's like, if, if you're not watching Abbott Elementary, like, get a I don't know, get an antenna and watch it like on your local ABC uh, ABC affiliate. That's how much like work I think that you should do to get into watching this because it's that good. So yeah, definitely, definitely the best show I think on network television right now. I don't think you can, yeah, you can't watch it on Disney Plus unless you're outside of uh, the US, but you can watch it on Hulu. Yeah, All next day on Hulu. Uh, and yeah, just fantastic stuff that work that they're doing over there. Next, I turn to streaming and largely the rest of these will be on, uh, I have had watched on streaming networks with exception. Uh, but yeah, number uh, number four on my list was a huge surprise for me this year and kind of a blast from the past. And that is Netflix's Bee and Puppycat. Uh, yeah, uh, out of nowhere, uh, this cartoon hangover series that was on youtube uh that was a cartoon network like reject essentially something that they had passed on to actually put on their network and ended up in video form on the internet um ended up getting revived out of nowhere and had a proper second season on netflix yeah, I mentioned it on the show, but I guess we never put it down in a list somewhere. I think you saw the things that you mentioned like after the fact. Like, oh, by the way, I watched it and didn't write it down. <laughs> well, since then, uh, I've watched almost all of it. I'm not even done with it. Like, there are a lot of episodes. And it does refer to itself as a part one on Netflix, which implies that there's even more coming. And I'm glad because, oh, my God, this is such an inventive, visually, like, experimental show. Every second of what's happening on the screen is just like, just beautiful animation. I don't know what the budget they had on this thing, but it looks expensive, which is surprising. It also is rare to see something that's like put it that they, with this much creative like strength and budget like to it in an era where companies like Warner are killing animation budgets and killing animated shows out of nowhere. So it's felt like it felt like watch watching this was like something that just does not exist in any other form. Like something like this, a cartoon from like this level of quality is going to be harder and harder to find. And so we should enjoy it while we have it. And yeah, it's just such a funny, charming show uh, with some great characters, like a deep ensemble 
which the videos on YouTube did not hint at at all, with a lot of surprising lore um, re reveals that happen throughout the show as it goes. Uh, honestly, like I was, I'm gonna say this again. I'm sure is that all my top five feel like they're all number ones because like that's how quality all of these shows are, and it makes me almost sad that I'm not mentioning some other animated shows here. Uh, but it, this is probably one of the better ones of the year. Uh, I was just just surprised every step of the way with this, and I'm glad that it exists. So that's number four. Moving on, number three, a former number one on my list. In a past year, I believe last year, this was my number one show, but the competition was just too, it's too stiff this year. And that's Adult Swim's Tuca and Birdie, which I sadly have to say is its final season as it did finally get canceled, um, its current Adult Swim run uh, this year. So we will not be seeing a season four unless a deal is made at some point. But man, it's still a great show. It's still just a fantastic, again, inventive show that takes kind of like the baseline of of the animation style that was introduced in Bojack Horseman and just like extrapolates upon that like tenfold. Like working on basically where they left off from season two, which was a really strong season in the way that it developed the characters the ensemble more and allowed like some really interesting different kinds of storytelling this continues from there and even gets more like specific with the way it tells its stories including some stories that really resonated with me uh recurring theme um this year with a lot of the shows that i watched um just happened to be the idea of like thinking back to your childhood or your like teenage years or your younger years in general and being able to like remind yourself that that was then and this is now to like be able to move in for move on from those traumatic things from when you were younger and just tell yourself yeah even though i was that person then i don't have to be that person anymore i can leave that person behind i can build a new thing instead of stressing myself out by think regretting the things i chose to do in the past there's an, a whole arc that uh birdie goes through here that kind of talks about that conversation and in the same way that they kind of have dealt with serious topics on the show before, it's really dealt with in an interesting way here, along with uh, Tuka's own arc, which is also kind of like this really deep exploration of what it means for her to like, does she want to have children someday? Does she want to be a mother? Does, is her body supporting this? A lot to get into for an animated show, but Tuka and Bernie manages to do it while at the same time feeling very lighthearted and fun. Which again, like I said last year, is a balancing act that literally no other show really can do. And I think that it's the magic of animation that can you nail that balance in a way that nothing else can. And so, yeah, it's really sad to see it go. But season three was definitely another absolutely essential season of Tuca and Birdie. And yeah, I'll, I'll miss these characters. I really like spending time with them. And it would have been number one if it just wasn't for just how ridiculous this year was. <laughs> Um, then number two, I have an absolute out of nowhere surprise, uh, that I wasn't even, didn't even know existed until like three weeks ago. And that is an anime that I've been watching called Bochi the Rock. Uh, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the regular show that I had started watching it on Crunchyroll. It is a simulcast. It turns out I was wrong. I thought that it was only nine episodes and that it would end. No, it's 
it's continuing. Um, I don't know how many episodes there will be, but they're on, um, they just had their 10th episode yesterday uh, or Sunday, and then there's another episode coming. So I don't know when this will end, but I kind of never want it to because I'm having so much fun with this show. As I mentioned, it dwells a lot on kind of dual themes. One of uh, a, char- a lead character who's very social, socially anxious and kind of exploring her like inner monologue that she's constantly happening, having with herself about what she feels like she's comfortable doing, what she's uncomfortable doing, a lot of the latter and little of the former. And um, it just makes her such an endearing, relatable character to me as someone who's dealt with some similar issues. And then on top of that, it's also an exploration of her love of music and how the music industry works in Japan and how you play gigs and the kind of people you meet in bands and the like the kind of sounds that are coming out of Japan right now. And it continues to get more in depth in that lever- layer of the show as well as the show goes on. And it works really well in both. And then on top of that, it's just such a visually, again, I've said this three times now in my top five, of such a visually inventive show. Like, the things that these three animated shows that I have on this list all do really, really well is that they're able to show, let animators just go crazy on on the most imaginative thing that they could possibly put pen to paper or, I guess, digital pen to digital pad. <laughs> it's just some wild dreamscapes and different experimental animation styles happening here. And the fact that this is being done in an anime as well gives me a lot of, like, gives me, like, a really good, like, um, I don't know, like, comfort in knowing that it's not just happening here in the U.S., that worldwide animators are taking advantage now of the freedom of how, how expanded, how, like, far the limits, how far out the limits are of this art form. You can do anything in an animated show, and all these shows... I think are the best examples, in my opinion, of exactly how far you can take it and how much that will help you explore the themes of your characters. So yeah, I'm having a great, great time with it. It's blown me away so far, and I can't wait to watch more of it. I know you were gushing about it just the other episode. Yeah, yeah, it's still good. It's it's, still... It got you signed up for Crunchyroll. Yeah, it got me signed up for Crunchyroll. So I'm just signing up for stuff willy-willy-nilly these days. But I didn't have to sign up for anything for my number one show. It is a straight up just on cable. But I don't know the last time I've laughed this hard at a show. My number one show, out of nowhere, has not been in the top five for me ever before. What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> this is by far probably the funniest sitcom on television. Like, full stop. They are doing things with these characters that are absolutely batshit insane. Like... <laughs> And that, and then I realized that that could be a vampire pun there. But honestly, like they're going to lengths with the show that I've never seen a show do. The fact that they can work with like in a fantasy realm, they're absolutely taking advantage of every piece of that. But the sh- the reason why it works is not because of how ridiculous the world is that they live in. The reason why it works to me is that they figured out the thing that Parks and Recreation figured out, or Thirty Rock figured out, which is. The best sitcoms are when you have every single character in your ensemble is their unique version, like has their unique brand of just absolutely hilarious shtick. Every single character is like so charming and so funny on this show. And every, like you get, and by the, now that it's the fourth season, like you've spent so much time with them that you're just like, 
all these lovable idiots. I love all of them. And it's just the vibe of it. It feels like a family. It feels like you're coming in and watching your family do stupid stuff every week. And it's just they find new and funnier and like wilder things to do with it. They just keep moving the bar of where they're going to go with the show. I mentioned on uh, the podcast this uh, to this, uh, or maybe off the podcast to, to you about this, but one of the weirdest episodes of the season was they literally just did an entire episode that was an episode of a reality show that exists in the universe. Yeah, like you talk pro- about this on podcast, and you love what shows do that. Yeah, I love when shows do that. It was like they nailed it this time. Like it was, so, it was probably my favorite episode of the season, just because of how ridiculous of a premise it is. And I'm not even going to say how it ends because it's just like it takes that premise and just like shrugs it and just be like, yeah, I guess this is how we're ending this episode. Is amazing what they're doing with it and the fact that they're willing to completely rewrite the status quo of a certain character completely and then build it back to a back to the status quo by the end of the season i've just never seen a show do something like this before it's like they're doing things that i didn't know were possible on a cable show like this it's just incredible television it's also Christie's favorite show of the year. Like we we loved every single episode of this season and it's just getting better and better. If you're not watching what you, what we do in the shadows, absolutely just start from the beginning, watch all of it because it is priceless. It's like one of the best shows on on TV right now. It is getting robbed of Emmys every year and hey, maybe someday it'll win one. Um I mean this is the season finale, so I think they do one more, two more seasons. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard nothing but good stuff from what we do in the shadows. You, I've also yeah. heard people say outside of you that I should watch, be watching what we do in the shadows. You gotta finish. You gotta. I, finish. I keep up. getting, like, I get through the first season, and then yeah. nothing makes me want to keep going. But you gotta keep going because it just gets going. better and better and better as it goes. Yeah, you're not even into the best episodes yet. So just hang in with it. Much like with Parks and Rec, you got to get through the first season. And after that, it picks up. Absolutely. Um, And of course, yes, if you're wondering where a lot of the other shows that I've been championing all year are, it's just that, damn, there's too many good shows this year. So I have more to talk about shows that I absolutely did love uh, in the honorable mentions. But before we get there. Before we get there, I could give you my top five. Yes. And oh, did I struggle with this? Even so <laughs> much as to you're just watching me like figure out how I'm going to put this list together. <laughs> but I think I've nailed it. Okay. I think I've narrowed it down, and I think this pretty much represents me in a nutshell of my <laughs> top five shows. All right. Starting with number five, the only one um, on network television. Or sorry, cable television, actually. <laughs> but also the only one that is a repeat on this. Uh, and the only one that is no longer going to be airing. Yes. As it wrapped up its final season, season six. And the manly man tears flowed. So <laughs> I had to give it a spot over everything else. Talking about the finale of This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it was my number one show two years ago right before 2020 happened um because it left it on such a great high note but then it went into a hiatus Mm -hmm. uh during 2020 because of the production issues and they couldn't shoot Mm -hmm. 
So while it wasn't on my list last year for that, it makes a comeback this year because it shot and it was shot during twenty uh, during the pandemic. Took in all of those um, storylines that happened during it, had to weave them into the story, and this final season ended in the culmination of a perfect bow on this show. Everyone has their moments. Even the side characters have their moments. As you get towards the end, it's, oh my god, the gut punches. You Mm -hmm. make me cry. Why would you do this? It was so goddamn emotional. And as I mentioned, like story writing and storytelling, I haven't seen in years in tv it's the one show i was waiting for it's the show that i actually got my wife to watch with me it's a show that she was no interest in i was like no you're gonna watch this because i love it and she got sucked into it and for us and i got her all caught up for this final season and it was yes we're watching it i'm so glad you're sucked into this this is our show now (laughs) and we sappy cried every tuesday watching it and i'm glad that this is on it because it's like if you've been talking about it so much watching it all over all these years that it's like it's kind of a nice like fitting conclusion for you to have this on your top five this year and just be like yeah it was like just kind of honoring what it gave to you over the years not just that but over the course of the past years we've seen shows have get canceled um some as with the zaslav acts way before their time so they don't get a proper ending this right. is one of the few shows where, much like um, The Good Place, the writers knew how long they wanted to go. They knew when they wanted to end it. They knew how they wanted to end it. And the fact that they were able to get that presented to everyone and everyone love and completely adore over it, especially over social media, just amples on the effect of what This Is Us was. It's a journey that I was very happy to be a part of. Mm-hmm. But it's only my number five. And the rest of these are all new shows. The rest of these top four all had their premieres in 2022. Yep. Starting, even though this next one is a bit of a reboot. <laughs> Because I'm talking about reboot on Hulu. This is blowing me my mind that this is on that on here on your list because this implies that you watched all of this in like two weeks. I watched all of it in two days. <laughs> Everything wow. you said about this show is spot on. It is built for me. It is TV about yeah. TV. Yeah. It is TV that makes callbacks to TV. It is TV that literally says. This is the joke that every TV show does, and then writes around said joke Mm -hmm. to say, here's how we're going to do it differently in the rebooted show, but then does it differently in the actual show. Yeah, it's very meta. It is super meta. Anyone who knows me knows I like that kind of meta commentary as well as the behind the scenes how TV gets made. And reboot, just the perfect casting of it. Rachel Bloom, magnificent, especially coming off of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which when that show ended, I was like, well, I guess we'll never see her again. (laughs) Oh, boy, that's not wrong. 
and the actual premise of the show of cathartic writing, not just between your two main characters who are the showrunners of the rebooted show, but the comeuppance and cathartic writing of the actors themselves playing off of each other. Each actor having their own individual career that you know because they're named actors like Michael Key uh, and uh, Judy Greer uh, and Johnny Knoxville, but each having their own interpersonal dynamics of characters that they bring into this outside of what's established in the show. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic writing. It's fantastic physical and emotional comedy and that second to last episode <laughs> yeah uh really hits it home of what oh. makes this a good a good show oh yeah and it ends it ends fairly well they ended it very intelligently because it is a is a just in case kind of ending which is like just in case we get canceled it can end here yes but they also have like a way a, a story that they could go into if they do get renewed it's the um, Futurama thing where we don't know if we're getting canceled, so let's write an ending. Right. But if we don't, we know how we can bring it back. Yeah, I was really hot on this show for the first half of it, and then the second half of it didn't work quite as well for me. But I think you are right about where they hit the emotional uh, beats uh, towards the end. I think they did that right. I think thinking back to the show, and this show does not appear anywhere on my list and the reason why is because the more i think about it since i've stopped watching it the more the the, the i think about like oh there were like one or two way or, or a handful of way too over the top moments that were a little too broad for me and it kind of muddied the good things about it for me but you're right everything you said is still true there's a really there's a lot of good stuff here that is the basis for a show that could be amazing in a season two. Honestly, I think that they need to get a second season for this because if this is where they're starting, I can only imagine a writer's room that gets into the groove and gets really into these characters could make the show even better. The gags are there. The emotions are there. They just need to hit that extra level for me. And then I think that this is top five material. They're on their way. But I'm glad you enjoyed it this much. It's, I will it, say it, that it definitely debut. picked up once they got rid of the mom character. <laughs> because they made the it allowed the kid character to become a, his own person. Yes. And wasn't beholden to just, oh, just just oh, mama's boy needs needs his nuggies or something. Yeah, I really did like the arc uh between uh him and the executive. Um, the kind yeah, of like because with the bomb you don't get that though, right? Yeah, I think that it was is... smart for them to just have the write writer off. I'll say the writer off early, but have a reason for her not to be around and allows for the kid character to interact more with the ensemble. Yeah, and and, and he got some of the stuff, funniest stuff with all of his old movies mm-hmm. uh, coming into conversation. That was... Yeah, there, there's a there's the pieces are there, I think, and they're so close to getting everything running really smoothly. It's just will Hulu give them another shot? We'll see. I don't know, but if they don't, I'm glad with what they gave us. Yeah, yeah. And that brings us to my third one, my third story. Third story. Third <laughs> show. <laughs> this is kind of a story. A story told from a certain viewpoint. 
Unless you're talking to that person over there, because it's from their viewpoint. <laughs> Unless you're talking to you, because it's your viewpoint. Because everyone's got a story to tell in After Party on Apple. Yes. Uh, this uh. was a show that came out towards the beginning of the year from part of our favorite producers, Bill Lord and Chris Miller. And it was a shock, <laughs> to say the least. Because it starts off with what you think is just, oh, a romance, like it's a murder mystery. But you think, oh, this is just the storytelling of a romantic comedy setting. But then it changes to that of an action setting. But then it changes again to an animated setting. But then it changes again to a horror setting. And the different unique storytelling told of the events of the exact same night, but from different people's perspective, and in the different genres of TV is what makes this my number three on the list. It's fun and it's inventive. I haven't seen anything quite like it on TV. I don't even know if you can even put this thing on TV. It's <laughs> so made and so well built for streaming and binging that you want to know what happens next. You want to see what the next version is. You want to see who done it by the end. I all the while you're trying to piece it yourself together of oh they didn't remember it quite this way are they lying are they just misremembering yeah no I I absolutely adored the show uh I think it's fantastic I think it's amazing like you said the experimentation happening here is wild it reminds me of like like Phil Lord and Chris Miller are people who are are like deep ingrained in the animation community as well and you can tell because they're bringing the passion and vibe of an animated show to a live action show with the after party mm -hmm. it's That's also stretching what the genre can do and stretching to the limits of their imaginations of those writers imaginations by going to do all these genre experiments and it works and all that while also being a really smartly designed murder mystery that also works. It's like amazing that they melded these two things into one thing and it ended up being as good as it is. I mean, the whole like show is great. And then a Tiffany Haddish as the detective. Yeah. Just ties it all together. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this would have been on my top. This was on my top five for a long time. After I saw this, I was like, oh, this is easily going to be our number one show of the year, right? But it was just so strong of a year that it kind of just gradually dropped and dropped and dropped. It is my solid number six, though. <laughs> just sitting outside, like on the porch of a party, you could say. Just sitting outside on the, on the precipice of going into that top five and having that conversation, but it didn't quite make it. But honestly, it's the number one honorable mention for me. It's just a fantastic piece of work that honestly is the only thing probably out of all of these things that I am looking forward to rewatching. It's also one of the only things on my list that has officially gotten a sequel. Yes. An after party two, and or I whatever they're going to call it. And I can't wait because I hope what they do is kind of an anthology series kind of approach where it's a completely set new set of characters and a completely fresh like bunch of genres to explore. 
Except bring back Tiffany Hatch to try and solve it. Yes, yes. Do the do the the knives out. Exactly. Yes. Do what knives out is doing just for television and in your unique style. And like I think it'll be stellar. Like just do that. I wonder if they do like a Star Wars theme for season two. <laughs> or Star Trek themed. <laughs> oh man, like a whole sci-fi version of this yes. movie would be amazing. I I mean, yeah, see, that's the thing, is that they can literally do whatever they want with this show, and that's why it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there's two shows ahead of it um at number two more so of a show than my number one but only ever slightly and this is a show that i was gushing about when i was talking to you about it it was a show that i saw that was trending on social media i decided to give the first episode a, a check a look and I was hooked immediately within the first five minutes. It is a show about cooking. It's a show about the kitchen. It's a show about how raw people can be in tight quarters. And the way they shot this in an actual kitchen, being able to move around and block is worthy of Emmys on its own. I am talking about the bear on FX and streaming on Hulu for the ads. (laughs) Um, Even though it's short, it's only eight episodes. They are 30-minute episodes, so you can binge this thing in a weekend easily. And each episode just hits. There is no downtime. Everything is said with a point. Everything is said with a purpose. Everything is said with realism. It's not, I'm giving you exposition. It's, I'm telling you who I am because you're literally looking at my resume. It's, I'm telling you why this needs to happen because I am literally the health inspector. So I'm setting up what this episode is going to (laughs) be. It's, I literally need you to do this because XYZ overarching plot. It's really smart, really well written. It is some of the most rawest acting I've seen on TV, especially episode seven. Mm-hmm. Of everything on here, episode seven is the one that gets me the most because it is the one shot. That's mm-hmm. right. They did a 30 minute one shot in a TV <laughs> show in a kitchen. <laughs> having wow. all of the move, moving parts of a kitchen working, all the yelling all the people coming in and out the blocking, the staging, this thing must have taken literal week to shoot but by god is it the best thing I saw on TV all year hey just like your favorite video game of the year <laughs> <laughs> I mean yes there's very similarities to it yeah, but, no, everything that I've heard about the bear is like people are just for, yeah, like you said, gushing about it. Like people have nothing but good things to say about it. FX, man, let's talk about FX for a moment because my number one show is an FX show. Like they are just, they are bringing in the right talent to make the right shows at the right time. Is and like, and they're the only ones who can do it in the way that they do it. These kind of raw, creative shows, like they are the place to go for this kind of thing now. And they're really making a name for themselves. Not only that, but unlike other companies, they're letting creatives be creative. Yes. They're letting them run with these projects. 
Yes. Yeah. If there's anything for this year is that those are the two like opposing viewpoints, right? It's like our story of the year is coming from this, the other direction, which is like cutting everything but reality. And then from what we're trying to say is that like, yeah, but our top shows, the reason why they, they work is how creative and inventive they are. And the only way you get that is by paying creators to create. Right. And it's the, what can you do aspect? Like, vampires in modern day what can you do with that yeah and they look like well what can we do with that (laughs) what can't we do with that (laughs) yes yeah um a five star uh, a three-star michelin chef comes back to his hometown what can you do with that yeah what can you do with it yeah it turns out a lot (laughs) yeah turns out when you have the right creative minds behind projects that are passionate about this that know what they're talking about and are able to put paper to film to concept you get spectacular television absolutely and it doesn't get more spectacular than my number one show yeah this is a surprise and this was also a move that you literally made during the recording of this podcast yes because i had to ask you does this technically count as <laughs> a show because i wanted clarification yeah Otherwise, The Bear would have been my number one show. Right. But because it technically only runs for 58 minutes. <laughs> yes. Less than an hour. It is, a, is a special. special, yes. It is a Disney Plus Marvel special feature. The only Marvel show on my list. Yes. Werewolf by Night by yeah. none other than Michael Giacchino. Yeah. In a stunning... First time director move that takes a concept, takes a web to web comic, takes a comic book from years ago that most people haven't heard of mm-hmm. and transforms it into a knockout 58 minute joyride where you set up completely brand new characters establish completely brand new stakes and a completely like unseen version of the MCU and makes it work for a first time director is astounding. All the right directorial moves, the blocking, the shooting, the editing, the cinematography, using actual like physical props and not doing CGI for a lot of shots. Mm -hmm. Harking back to those 1940s, 1950 horror films in the way it's it's presented from the beginning Mm -hmm. to set you in that mood. As I mentioned when I talked about this in October, it was the one thing I would gladly go back to over and over again, especially on a holiday. And yes, I did actually go back and rewatch it. And yes, it is still as good, even in December. So that's why it's my number one. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I mean, it goes to show you that in order to beat everything else on your list, it had to be such a specific, such a well done, high quality version of a genre thing. And that's essentially what you're saying it is. It's just, it's so well done 
they executed on every single part of what they had to do to tell a werewolf story based on as, a comic. As <laughs> someone who doesn't like horror, yeah, it's the one thing that I absolutely love. Yeah. As someone who doesn't get into like all the werewolves and zombies and swamp things and all those other kind of creature films, it's the one thing that like harkens back to that time period as well as brings in a breath of fresh air to the um, to the MCU. Yeah. So, do you want to see more of these kind of one shot specials? Uh, funny enough, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Uh, Christmas special is more of these one-off specials, and yes, I would indeed like to see more of them. Especially if they're but, of this quality. I know. <laughs> Alrighty. Wow. Okay. Alright. What a list. What a list we've got. Um, I guess we want to run down our honorable mentions real quick before we wrap up uh, and choose a show. Yes. Honorable mentions um, include but the two fantasy powerhouses that a lot of people talked about this year, House of the Dragon and Rings of Power. So now, before you continue, is this a? Are you going down a ranked list of the remaining shows on your list? No, no. Okay, that's how I was planning on doing it. Oh, okay. Uh, in that case, my number six show, well, six and seven. Would have been between Julia and Hack season two, both okay. strong female-led yeah. shows, uh, because Hacks continues what was from Hacks one, uh, which I absolutely loved. It was on my list last year, mm-hmm. um, and Julia, which also combines that behind-the-scenes TV as well as a cooking show in and of itself. So. Julia, kind of like a combination of both Reboot and The Bayer, both of which were on my show, or on my top five. Uh, and then from there, honorable mentions to The White Lotus, season two, coming off of the stellar season one, yeah. uh, as well as Only Murders in the Building, also yes. coming off a of stellar season one. Absolutely. Um. Oh, real quick, go through the rest of my list here. Um, I have Amphibia on my list. Uh, the end, the, it wrapped up this year. Uh, didn't quite make the t- my, make my top five, uh, but man, did it end on a great, great, beautiful note. I uh, wanted, to, would love to see more, but hey, at least they got it ended on their terms, which is good. Yeah, that's um, another one of those shows that you got me to catch up on before yeah, the finale. Just excellent work. Um, also maybe the last of its kind when you're talking about big narrative first uh, television cartoons maybe. sad to see um, I have Single Drunk Female uh, which was a show that I on paper would, would usually would not watch but is so well executed about its premise and all the characters are great that I loved watching it uh, probably the only freeform list uh, show that will ever be on my list <laughs> Um, I have uh, Amazon's A League of Their Own next. Just an amazing, uh, well-done ode to um, just like the, that, that, that hey, do like gay people and lesbian people existed in the 40s and what happened with them and combining that with a baseball story and like, and revitalizing an old film and with a different lens 
talking about like, well, what actually happened with these women is just such a well done show. Um, I loved watching every minute of that too. I have Ms. Marvel on here, probably the first time and only time I'm ever going to have a Marvel show on this, but Ms. Marvel was a huge surprise for me. I loved that it was a specific, from such a specific viewpoint of a specific culture and had so much of the taste of that culture in the DNA of the show. It made such a great watch for me, even when it did get a little marvel toward the end. I still loved it because it still was like just enough of that character and culture stuff that got me involved in the first place. And on um, top of that, She-Hulk as well. I yeah, got really I into She-Hulk. I didn't watch it, but yes, you had some good things to say about it. Um, and then I'll just rapid fire the rest of these. Jeopardy. Holy crap. What a year. We already talked about in the news. But yeah, it was just insane watching all of that happen live uh, throughout the year. It's just been an amazing season of, of game show. I think the best game show on in history on television. Just period. I think it's proven its point now. <laughs> um, I have the final season of Close Enough on here. Again, sad to see it go, but um, had some really great episodes this season as well. Only Murders in the Building. You mentioned season two was just so much stronger than season one. It just blew blew me away. The Owl House on here just keeps getting better and better. It thankfully is not done, unlike Amphibia, and will continue next year. I'm excited to see where they go. They've really set up um, quite a lot of stakes for that show going forward. Um, I have the season three of Harley Quinn on here, as an honorable mention. A great season, probably not to the highs of the previous season, at least for me. That being said... They did a really a lot of really creative, cool stuff. Had a lot of fun with those characters. And then uh, lastly, shout out to Netflix's Heartstopper. Another story about uh, gay youth. Um, this one being uh, more uh, uh, centered on a, uh, on a male and male couple um, just in high school. And kind of like how dealing with what it is in a very realistic way of being in a modern school, what it means to come out. Uh, identify yourself as bi or gay and like that kind of having that kind of love story depicted in such a touching and charming way and not at all dramatic and sad was a cool and unique approach that I think more shows need to try. And that's my big list. I think something on my list that would have been definitely been on there had some other events not occurred (laughs) being man in the arena. Yeah, right? I really liked that, and it ended really great. But... And then Tom Brady end. didn't end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had to be like, ah, I know you just finished your thing, but... Uh, uh, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Um, Severance was also really good with a wrapped-up mystery. Uh, I didn't quite think the mystery and reveal lent itself to make my list. Sure. Just an honorable mention. Uh, but it is some of the smart, smartest writing I've seen on TV. But it's one of those things where does the ending twist justify the 10 episodes that preceded it? Yeah, I saw a lot of people making the same uh, same commentary about it. It's like, yeah, it was really, really great, but it just felt like it took a long time to get where it was going. Same thing with The Flight Attendant Season 2, exact same reason. Yeah. Um. Also, Type Traveler's Wife, I don't think even though I had the one season, I don't think you could ever get around <laughs> the um, grooming aspect that was kind of thrust upon itself. Yeah. Um, well, um, well, I want to shout out real quick 
for in the silly, silly game show uh, category, Generation Gap. <laughs> Which I don't know how they made that into a television show, but man, was it entertaining at least to watch. Uh, I want to shout out my naming here of the Tonys or how Jennifer Hudson won the EGOT before Lin-Manuel. Yeah, that did happen. That did happen. All right, anything real quick before we name a show and yes. wrap this one up? There's two shows that if I don't mention them, people will like scream at me, why don't you mention them? Yeah, and, and I interrupted Andor, you before you could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's both Andor and The Sandman. Oh, right, yeah. Those are really good on their own, except both shows kind of suffer through the same aspect, is that there's three episode arcs. So at the end of three episodes, you're then all of a sudden into a new arc. You're like wondering... What happened to the previous ones, though? And same thing with, like, they both have the exact same thing where it's, yeah, that's good. I like it. But if I'm changing kind of tones and themes every three episodes, what is the overarching arc that you want me to know? Right, right, right. It's tricky. It's tricky. And it's why uh, streaming kind of makes it has complicated how television shows are written. But. I mean, do, do I have time to shout out all of my trash TV? Uh, I mean, no. Let's skip the trash. <laughs> all right. Then let's go straight to my actual number one this year. Kingdom Hearts 2003. No, no, no. I said skip the trash. Uh, hey, hey. <laughs> all right. Let's get this done. So I'm going to make this easy for you. We need to pick one show to name as our Media Boat Podcast show of the year. Unfortunately, there is zero crossover on our list this year. But you did mention that but, there was a number six on your list. Yes, and that's kind of where I'm going with this. You ranked After Party number three. Uh, I think it would be very fitting in a cyclical way if it did end up being our number one show after so much else happened that we also loved. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, I think it's brilliant and it's just outside. And in any other year, it probably would have been a number one show for me. I think it's just doing things with a medium that literally nobody else is doing and in such an inventive and fun way that I feel like it's an easy, easy, like, easy slam dunk for us to just hand it over to the, uh, to the, uh, to Lord and Miller again. And this is just because I've yet to watch what we do with the shadows, right? Really, it is. I mean, once you catch up in 2025, like... <laughs> I'll be like, yes, let's retrofit that. <laughs> yeah, let's just change, go back and change that. But no, we never do that. So I think for now, After Party makes some sense. Although I, I could hear an argument for, uh, for uh, anything else if you'd like to make it. I mean, Abbott Elementary is a show that I think deserves it because it's doing something that we haven't seen on proper yeah. network television in quite cable television in quite some time. I mean, that's kind of the reason why it's my number five and after party isn't is because the more it's got, the longer the season has gone on. I've just been like amazed with how much better it's getting even this deep in the season. I honestly think the last two episodes or the last three episodes are the best in the season so far. Like the Halloween one, this season, incredible television. Just an incredible episode of television. I don't know how they do it. And they just keep outdoing themselves. It's like amazing. And so, yeah, right. just and narrowly, narrowly beat it. But that's where I keep, like, forgetting to come back to it because I don't have a yeah. recorder. I was like, I'm just going to watch it on Hulu when it's all there. Yeah. And yeah. then I keep forgetting to go back to it. Yeah. Unlike I, mean, I did with season one over the summer, which was 
now that it's all here, I just have time to watch all of it, which I did, and I thoroughly enjoyed. So yeah. I watched the, the uh, first episode of season two after it won the Emmy, and yeah. well deserved of the Emmy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Christy did something similar this year. She, after I tr- finally convinced her to watch it, she watched like two episodes with me and was like, oh, it's too reminiscent of my actual, my my library life because like they're talking about like school budgets and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I get it. But then she kept going. She pushed through that barrier and she finished it all in a day and caught up to where I was. <laughs> <laughs> it like goes to show you. Yeah, but, but yeah. I don't think the way like I just haven't been able to like watch it on a weekly basis. Whereas the after yeah. party, it was, oh my yes. God, we're on the same page. We got to wait and see yeah. what happens next. It was event television when that show yes. was on. I was like, there's, those are rare moments now. So when you get them, it's exciting. And yeah, absolutely. I think this goes to the after party. I want to award the after party for just how, just how well crafted it is and just what, and how unique it is. Well, that, there it goes. Media Boat favorite show of 2022. After Party, Lord and Miller. Yep. Your award's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we called this right after we saw it, too. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be our number one show. We're <laughs> all like, oh, it's hard to beat. And while other shows did eventually come out and be ranked higher on our personal lists. Yeah. I it is the one show that we both can say we both thoroughly enjoyed. It's the one of the most media boat podcast things that has ever existed. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad to see. Also, I didn't even mention one of the best things about it, which is it is the 2000s high school nostalgia show. <laughs> it is specifically aimed towards people either our age or slightly older. And it's perfect because of it. Because all of us are like, oh, yeah, I had that shirt when I was 14. <laughs> oh, yeah. I listened to Shaggy's Angel. <laughs> Yeah, yes, it's like all, over of these, all these, we finally got to the point where all the cultural touchstones are about us, and there's no show this year that is more, like, pro- what proves that more than the after party. It's like, oh yeah, we're writing this, we're writing television now. It's us. All right, well, we've definitely gotten over our time here, but yes. you can listen to more of us. Yes. If you want to... Let's do more wrap-ups of the year that was. Guess what? There are two more. We have movies coming next week, which is going to be a doozy, I'm sure. And then after that, we'll have our show that wraps up everything else that happened in 2022 and also looks to the future about what's on the horizon in 2023. If you'd like to join us for that adventure and listen to the previous episodes if you missed them of our wrap-up show and listen to our regular show that goes up every week, you can do all of that by looking at podcast services and searching Media Boat Podcast. We're on all of them. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you go. iHeartRadio, Spotify. Find us by searching Media Boat Podcast. And this, all of this and more is on your feed. If you want to see video versions of our weekly show, you can do that on YouTube. Search YouTube.com for Media Boat Podcast. Find our channel. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications when we go live which is typically on Saturday mornings. You can also find us on social media platforms like Twitter, where we're at Media Boatcast, Facebook, where we're Media Boat Podcast. Just search that and you'll find our page. And if you want to email us questions, comments, 
Tell us why we're wrong about our list, things we forgot, things we didn't mention, things that you think we should watch. Email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, your own top five list of what you watch. Let us know. Hey, let us know. So yeah, with that, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back, like I said, with another wrap-up episode next week with for movies. We'll also be back with another normal episode of the show on Saturday. Uh so yeah, tune in and we'll be we'll be here for you all year long. Unless you're listening to this in the future, in which case all of that is currently available to you right now. Enjoy. All right, bye. Bye.